Hello and welcome to the Wanderer podcast. Many thanks for downloading, streaming, however it is you're listening. We are on Twitter at Wanderer Podcast if you want to give us a follow and send us a message. My name's Phil Slatter. I'm joined by Simon All and we hope George Taylor shortly. Now today, this is another one of our special podcasts and we are going to, I'm going to hand over to a very brief co-host. Yo, what's going on? This is Mr. Akin from or Mr. Beast Mode and you're listening to the Wicked Wonders podcast. Peace! So that was Mr. Akin Fenwa introducing his very own pod as the way he is wanting to do. We are going to be talking about Akin Fenwa and his career at Wickham, which is sadly coming to an end at the end of the season as he hangs up his boots after 39 years. We're going to have a look back well, at the age of 39, not 39 years playing, but we're going to have a look back over his time at Wickham, what our thoughts were when he first signed, when we realised he was going to be a good signing, the highlights, the lowlights, and have a little bit of a look forward to see what we'd like to see him do next. Let's just have a little wind back to where it all started. I am at sidebar. I think I'm technically unemployed. So any managers, hit me up on the WhatsApp and get me a job. Um, one late addition, uh, I think, speaks for itself. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just start a round of applause from here? And all the way around, 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 they pull up the curtain. So that was Akin Fenwa famously on the Wembley pitch just after scoring the penalty that sealed Wimbledon's promotion to League One and saying he was technically unemployed. And for any managers out there to hit him on WhatsApp, followed by Matt Cecil revealing him to the Wickham crowd at the kit launch a few weeks after that. Now, when we first signed him, Simon, what were your first thoughts? Um, excitement, for sure. I think the way it was done was uh, unconventional to say the least. I mean, you've already alluded to the fact that it was via WhatsApp and social media played a part, didn't it, in in, uh, in people guessing who he was going to sign for. There's quite a lot of theatre around it. And he's he's a he's a big name player. Uh he, he was always always going to be he always he brings goals. Um I must admit I being a glass half empty kind of Wickham fan, I never thought we were going to be in the mix really to sign him. I, I you know you read rumours that we were looking at him, but I never really thought he was going to come to us. Um, so I was, I was surprised and, and excited to see what, what he could deliver, because I think it's fair to say we, we were needing someone who could get goals for us. So I was quite intrigued to see what, what Bio could bring. Absolutely. I mean, we did have goal-scoring problems the year before, uh, the 2015-16 season. Paul Hayes, although he did continue for a bit, he was kind of our main striker, but the goals had dried up and we were built on a very solid defence, but we were struggling to find the net a little bit. Uh, and our, we thought the answer to our problems were going to be Dale Southwell, if you remember him. We signed him from Boston, the youngster. And he had a really good goal-scoring record. But when Akin Fenway did come in, he he did have a bit of a... He didn't have a great recent record with Wibbley. He only scored a few goals in the season or two before. So there was this feeling that maybe he was past it, wasn't there? Yes, yes, I would say so. Um, I think, would, you, would we say that actually we, we had faith in Ainsworth would, would get the best out of him? Or did, uh, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of, um, I'm trying to remember that, but a lot of interest in terms of what was going to happen, how it was going to materialise, what he was going to deliver. I think I don't want to touch on what we may talk about in a bit, but because there's a lot of theatre, people were saying, was this one as a PR stunt? Was it good for the club? 
And I, as I said, we may talk about it later. I don't want to touch on that. So there's, I think the, from my own personal perspective, the excitement of having them on board, the character he is, made it exciting. I wasn't necessarily thinking too much about his style of play and what he would deliver, in spite of his record previously not being as prolific as what we were possibly after. I mean, do, do you think people really did say he was a publicity sign, or is that just something that's kind of happened after oh. the event a little bit? Do you think that? Do you think maybe that's something? Did people really think that? I, I, well, I personally think the way it was done, I think you, you wouldn't blame people if they did. I mean, it it was done as we touched on already. The WhatsApp and then social media played a big part, and there's a big a big reveal. Um, there there must have been people thinking it was a publicity signing for sure it put he's a it, it put Wickham you could argue Wickham already on the map but it increased Wickham's name I think and having him on board he's but then it's very easy to say in hindsight because of course since then he's now he's grown in me in the media he's he's delivered a lot for the club so hindsight is wonderful but I think I wouldn't put it this way long answer to a short question but I wouldn't have been surprised if other clubs thought it would have been a, was a publicity stunt, if I'm being honest. I mean, the thing is, George, we, we welcome you to the pod. I mean, with the idea of Akin Femme being a publicity signing, it was only ever really going to work long term if he did play and did score goals, wasn't it? Good evening, Phil. Good evening, Simon, in your dressing gown. Uh, sorry, I'm late, chaps. My Tesco food delivery just turned up at the exactly the wrong moment. Um, yeah, you're right. He, he. De- I don't think it's. It's. You could argue that it wasn't a publicity signing at the time. Um, I think it was a publicity signing with the potential for goals. Uh, is probably the the only real way you can describe it because he he clearly still did have something about him. The guy was pumped up, and he's definitely an Ainsworth signing. You know, he's definitely a player that that. Uh, Ainsworth knew that he could bring into the club and mould into, you know, his his uh, his legion of generals, and and that that made it quite a nice quite a nice fit at the time. And as the goals came, um, then then it was it was it was almost a bonus in in some respects. And you know, it, it wasn't a hard one to take a punt on at the time. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't think that. You got to remember, this was pre-Keurig. This was still very much under trust ownership. We couldn't afford the luxury of a publicity signing, surely. But Gareth Ainsworth knew exactly what he was doing, as we've seen him do time and again. He signed Akin Fenwar and he built the attack around him. So I think he he definitely we and we needed that target man. As I said, we had Paul Hayes, who was kind of uh, coming towards the end of his career, still had a bit to offer, and still did play a bit um, after that. But it was a real. It was actually very shrewd by by Gareth Ainsworth, wasn't it? And um, you know, not for the first time we've seen him sign a player. Could also say the same about Sam Vokes. He signed a player who'd had a bit of a tough season before in terms of getting the goals, and yet, lo and behold, he, he turned out to be a brilliant signing. Yeah, I, I yeah. You, you, you carry on, Simon. No, go on, the dressing gown. No, the dressing gown goes first. That's very kind. I wear dressing gown on every pod, by the way. It's just you didn't turn up to the last one. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I, you could say something about McCleary as well, of course. You know, he didn't. He was he was drying out, and he's bagging them in this season. I mean, I, I think it's an interesting. You touched on George Sen and Phil. I think to said you as well. But 
Akinfender was a Ainsworth signing. In, it's easy to say in hindsight, yes, okay, he's brilliant with dressing room. He's a real, you know, he 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 he's a great character, all that kind of stuff. But I don't, I, I question. And by the way, I think I love Akinfender a bit. They don't take this the wrong way. But I question whether he, he feels like a typical Ainsworth signing. You know, he 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 doesn't run all day, does he? He doesn't run. He doesn't. He he, he can't do that. He. I don't know, you don't get the impression he doesn't train as, as hard as some of the others, and he's already admitted that. That's not me just speculating. Yeah. So he doesn't feel like a typical Ainsworth signing. It was really clever by Ainsworth, and it was a very shrewd signing, but I, I question whether it feels like a typical Ainsworth signing. I think more typical in the sense of he was a player that it wasn't quite working out for elsewhere, and right. he had a new lease of life at Wickham, and we've seen that with Gareth McCleary, uh, Josh Scowan. Uh, and, and a number of others as well. So more Sido John Batty, uh, another one, more in that sort of mould. I mean, when we did sign him, I, I, I think there was this this sense of cautious optimism, as there is with any signing, because we've seen players in the past we've signed for Wickham. I remember when we signed Michael Dubry, we were all punching the air. We were like, wow, that's brilliant. What a signing that was. And he turned out to be um, not great for us. Uh, and other times we've signed players like Scott Cashkett, and we're like, well, who's this? Don't know who that is. Uh, and they've turned out to be really good so it you always have to wait to judge but i must admit i i did have a little bit of a sort of kick in my step about the fact that we had acting femoral there was something about me that was sort of blinded by the a little bit by the sort of glitz and glamour i was like it's just great that we've got him uh, and i hope he'll go on to be um, a decent sign and score a few goals i don't think anyone could quite have envisaged uh, the effect he would have over the what, six years that he's played for wickham and score the amount of goals that he's scored i mean it's been quite remarkable but was there a moment when you guys realized forget everything about him being a publicity signing forget everything about all of that and his previous record when you realized he was going to be a decent signing and was actually going to really deliver the goods for wickham sorry i was on mute there I was oh, on mute. Um, oh. Professional. You saying that? You saying that I? Um, there was a there was a moment where it was of doubt. No, was there a moment when you you realised he was going to actually be a decent signing? When was there? A, was there a, what there point did you? There, no, I don't think there was a there was this there was a specific one, but certainly by the end of that first season, when he's you know he's tucked twelve goals away, and I don't think anyone really expected double figure goals from him. Um, because you know you've got to remember that you know that Wimbledon didn't feel like he was he was good enough good enough for them uh, when they when they'd gone up, um, and so you did feel that there was um, there was possibly more to come in 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 League Two, but I didn't quite expect that amount. And then kicking on the season after that, the season we got promoted, that that's obviously that's a that's a that's a watershed moment of. Yeah, this has turned out to be a good signing. But I think after that first season, the signs the signs were there, um, sort of fairly early on in, in in my book. And I just I just think you know Wimbledon must think must be kicking themselves. Someone at Wimbledon was kicking themselves. Who was in charge at the time? Was it Neil Hardley? Yeah. And there were a few comments after I can think he's, he's going to spend the rest of his life kicking himself on that one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. After we drew with Wimbledon, he's uh, this spend season, the rest of his life kicking himself. There were a few a few comments about how Cal could he say he wasn't good enough for League One, but you know they had a bit of a falling out. I mean, 
for me, I, I think there was a moment that that season that Hack and Fen were first signed. The the season started, it sort of stopped started a little bit. Uh, we we lost to Crawley on the opening day, beat Grimsby, drew with Accrington, uh, drew with Black Accrington. That's when Hack and Fen scored his first goal. Drew with Blackpool, lost to Colchester, smashed by Luton, beaten by Portsmouth. It was a pretty poor start, um, and then you know results were up and down a little bit. Uh, and then he started, things started to pick up when we batted Crew 5 1. And then Akinfema scored the winner against Exeter. But for me, the, the big moment was the, the 5th of November when we played Portsmouth in the FA Cup because that was a tough draw. The season was, as we said, very stop start. We were winning. We won a couple. We drew a few. We lost a few. We weren't really looking like we were going to do anything. We had a really tough draw, Portsmouth away. And then he scored the winner late on. And we really deserved to win that game. And then from then on, we just went on a ridiculous uh, win streak. I think we lost to Coventry in the Football League trophy the next game, but then it was uh, a massive, massive long run of, uh, a massive long unbeaten run that uh, lasted from that game <clears throat> after Coventry, so from the 12th of November all the way through to when we played Tottenham, which was on the 28th of January. We didn't lose a game and that goal, I think, was a, a key moment in that season because it just gave us that little bit of belief through to the second round of the cup, we'd knocked out uh, one of the one of the highest placed teams in the competition in that stage uh, at that stage, and I thought, oh, actually, this guy, he's actually doing it for us. That was his fourth goal for us uh, in not that many games. He'd only made a sort of a handful of appearances. He hadn't played every match, and I think that was a real watershed moment for him when we kind of could see what he was going to bring. Um, have you got any any specific early memories of Akinfemi, Simon? Um. I just touched on a quickly touched on an earlier point when you said that you got involved in the hype and the excitement. I think at that moment in time we needed a marquee signing. We had a bit of a dry period before, and I think actually everyone wanted someone like an Akin Fenwa. So I just wanted to touch on that. That thought was with yes, me. Good, in terms, yeah, but in terms of uh, any moments, I think for me uh, is when he formed a partnership with we mentioned already Cashkit. Yeah. Um, that actually they seem to um, work really well with each other. I thought, and actually you know. The chance that he scores when he wants cash get. I think we probably jinxed it when we started that chance, but you know, um, I think actually, I can feel like I would argue won 95% of the balls. He was just winning everything in the air. No one could compete with him, which worked really well with Casket. So not only was he getting the goals, he was giving um, Casket a real opportunity to score as well. So I think that, that partnership was something we, we really needed. And that's when, for me, that was my earliest memory of seeing seeing him really deliver for us, forming that partnership and getting the best out of out of, out of his out of his compatriot up up front. To be honest, and there was that memorable we may, I mentioned the FA Cup, but that memorable second round tie away at Chesterfield when Cash gets scored a hat trick, uh, which was when he was really announced to the to the Wickham fans. He scored a bit before then, but that's like wow, this guy's really good as well. Um, and I think someone made the comment when we we beat. Mansfield in the Football League Trophy quarterfinals. He said you you could take a sniper to Akinfemo and he'd bring it down on his chest and lay it off the cash get. So the, the two of them there just formed a well yeah yeah the, the two signings that like I say one player that we never heard of didn't really know anything about another was a big big name signing and um, you know the two both went on to have terrific effect uh, on that season and future seasons and then I think for Akinfemo. We mentioned the, the game against Tottenham. After that, the season went a little flat. Obviously, we lost to Spurs, and that kind of kick-started a bit of a slump for us. We then were knocked out of the 
a football league trophy at the semi-final stages to Coventry 10 days later. Uh, and then I think it was five straight defeats in the league, which was pretty, pretty bad. And that put an end to our um, any real hopes of, of the playoffs or certainly automatic promotion. I think we still had an outside chance of playoffs. But in February uh, of that season, we scored, uh, it was six goals and MFM was scored each and every one of them. Um, it was quite incredible. We were losing away Accrington, I remember. And then he came on at half time, scored twice. And it was like that was when you could really start to see just how much we relied on him, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, absolutely. He was starting to deliver. And we, I think we, we started to see the real side of Akin Fenwell. Um, how many of those were headers incidentally? Probably quite a few of them, um, I imagine. Well, if I got, let's see if I can do it from memory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through it. Okay. So he, he scored against Coventry in the Football League Trophy semi final. That wasn't. Uh, crew. Uh, away, I think that was Carlisle at home in a two-one defeat. Not so sure. Crawley at home in a two-one defeat. That wasn't. And I think one of his two goals against Accrington on the twenty-eighth of February. Uh, I think was, and the other one wasn't. But don't quote me on that. But, um, Not too many. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably about half. Probably about half. Um, absolutely. Um, just looking back, and we've mentioned a few. But have you got any specific favourite moments of of, of watching Akinfemi with him on the pitch? I have quite a few that obviously stick out, but if I was to, if you were to hold a gun to my head and the one that I would choose would probably be the goal he scored at the home game against Wimbledon uh, earlier on the season at the end, end of the year to make it two all, I think it was. And, and it was the, the, the volley from just outside the area. Yeah. His only goal from outside I mean, the that, area for Wickham. Yeah, uh, yeah I, mean, I mean, that goal... Has, has proved to be pretty damn important uh, at, the, at the end of the season, as you would expect it, 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 it was going to be. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it was just, it was, it was a moment where we needed a little flash of, of something and you knew that him coming on, that he would get a chance to offer that flash of something and he, and he surely delivered and he's been doing that for the last four or five years. So, um, it, it almost epitomised for me that goal epitomised his um, his his whole career at the club. Um, even though it, it it was the the one exception to the rule of being outside outside the box, and that's probably why 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 it springs to mind. So that was that was my that was my favourite moment. What about you, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention that one because it was a special goal, and it showed the skill that he has. Actually, he's not he, you know. He's, it's not just close range headers or whatever. But for me, it was getting a goal that he richly deserved and, and craved. And that was against Bristol City, keeping our championship survival, slim survival hopes alive, last minute penalty. I mean, that felt at the time like his his last contribution to the club. But, you know, little did we know he was going to go on and keep delivering at the tender age of 39. But that for me, probably, again, you know, it's recent history. Um, I'm sure we could go back and pick out lots more, but that for me is the big one because it meant a lot to him. I was a little kind of, I really, obviously we really wanted him to get his championship goal, but I was a little worried that it was going to be like a, a token penalty. You know, we were 2-0 up mm -hmm. or something and, we, and they just give it to him. But it was, although it was a penalty, it was a huge moment and it was kind of the uh, climax of a really dramatic finish to the game, Stockdale going up and having, he had two shots, didn't he? And then the handball and then, it was a real important pressure penalty 
And he said about how he, he sang a Disney song in his head as he ran up to hit the ball in the net. So although it would have been nice to see him score from open play, it was almost like there was more drama and theatre around his goal rather than you know him just getting on the end of a, of a cross or something like that. So it, it, it's not just that he scored in the championship, but the goal that he scored in the way that he scored it in the whole you know, it was Absolutely. very, very ephemeral as well. Um, I mean, I, I always remember, always remember his goal against Stourbridge um, as as a Wickham fan of a number of years. I haven't seen Wickham win. I'd never seen Wickham win a third round FA Cup tie because I think the only game of the famous two thousand and one run that I didn't go to was the Grimsby replay. So him scoring a winner in the third round was was really good. I remember just remember really enjoying that game against Stourbridge. It was a really good cup tie. I know we were expected to win, but their fans made a good atmosphere and um, that goal was special. But I think one of his most important performances was in April 2019, when we went away to Southend and we were winless in 12 and they were winless in 13. And we were really slipping down the table and relegation, which hadn't really been on the horizon at the midway stage of the season, certainly as we left January. The fears of us going down really started to ratchet up and had we lost that game we would have gone into the relegation zone uh, and it was a really kind of like this is this is getting serious we need to get some points uh, and I think the, the club even arranged to stay away that weekend just to sort of give the players take the players minds make them realize it was a bigger game build up to it nil nil at half time and then I remember looking at the other results thinking if we draw here it's not actually too bad a result because other results are going our way so at least we we move a point away from a couple of other teams and then suddenly Nick Freeman does a superb uh, defence splitting pass. Cashgate gets in behind, dinks it across, and Akin Fenwa scores. And then a minute later, he scores a looping header from uh, Adam, Adam Alab's uh, forward ball. And it prompted the great tweet when he was substituted from the, the club's official Twitter feed. It said, Akin Fenwa's coming off. Someone get that man a hot bath and a bucket of chicken. But I just think in terms of our recent history, that match was absolutely huge. And it was kind of, come if the hour come if the man for the big occasion isn't it absolutely there's so many opportunities so many uh examples where it's come off the hour come off the man of a big occasion you know we could we picked three just now but there's so many we could choose from um it's a gift that keeps on giving isn't he really yeah um, there's one moment i do remember on the pitch when the bolton fans were chanting get your tits out for the lads and he it was on the opening day of the season a couple of years ago and then he lifted up his shirt and wiped his wiped his face and all the Bolton fans cheered, and that was a very amusing moment because he's he's got that great rapport with with away fans, and that's I think that's one of the many reasons that he's so popular in the game, is because he does get um, you know stick about his size from the opposition fans, but when he scores a goal, he doesn't goad them. He takes it all in good part. He rubs his tummy, he, um, you know, like I yeah. said, he lifted his shirt to, to show show his show his boobs off, so, so to speak. Um, but yeah, yeah, if those fans then go up to him after the game and say, you know, can I have a picture, can I have an autograph, he's more than happy to oblige and he's got that real charisma. I mean, have you got any favourite moments of him off the pitch or sort of related to him not playing from, from his time at Wickham? No, no, I haven't. I've never met him, never shook his hand. Um, <laughs> he, I, he, I, he walked past me once and he blanked me, so no. <laughs> not, Are you not hating him? <laughs> what are you doing those podcasts? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate him, just uh, just no no fond memories. That's all. Well, okay. I'll, well, I'll, 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 I'll lead. I'll lead the conversation. If I, see, if I see Saturday in Burton, he buys me a pint, then we when we can redo this. this <laughs> but, but until then, I'm, I'm not not fussed. I was thinking of, of not. I not can help you out, Phil. 
go on, yeah, you, 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 you saved you me from this. This similarly, I've not met him personally, but he epitomizes everything which is great about the club and being a family run club, being a club of the people. And he flies, he, he, he flies that flag nicely, doesn't he? It's incredible the time he gives to the back to the fans. So, so, clearly not me or George, but that's fine. But it's incredible when, in, you know, when, the amount of autographs he signs and photos he takes, you see all over Twitter, people have, had, have, have met him and he's, he's, he's always got a nice thing to say. So it's, as I say, it's fantastic for the club and it really does epitomise what Wickham Wonders is all about, to be honest. I mean, I think I think he loves the publicity, he loves signing things, he, he enjoys all that. But although you might see him signing all these autographs, when you actually get involved, and you know, my kids have, have met him a few times and had photos with him, but when when you're actually up close, he, he's not just doing the photo and signing. He, he he will actually talk to these people. He'll actually stop and have a bit of a chat with you, um, which is which is terrific. And that's how I got that a little soundbite for the start of this pod. Uh, one moment that I remember was when he we played away at Plymouth. Um, in December of 2016, I think it would have been, and we drew three all. Uh, he he scored the first, he set up the first goal, he hit the post, um, scored the second goal, and then played a key part in Miles Weston scoring the equaliser in a three-three draw. So as a striker, that's pretty good going. One goal, one assist, hitting the post and playing a part in another goal. Can't really go wrong. But then this Plymouth fan called him out and he said, "Watching Akin Fenwick play football." gives me hope that I can make it as a professional because he has 0% footballing ability. And all the Wickham fans were like saying, you know, did you watch him? He scored all these goals. He scored this, he did that. And then Akin Fenwick saw the tweet and he replied and all he said was, I'm glad I give you hope. And I just thought that was just brilliant. That sort of, that sort of, to me, that really sort of summed him up. He didn't shout him down. He didn't sort of argue about him. He just said, well, I'm glad I give you hope. And I thought that was absolutely terrific. But he has had some, um, aside from the sort of jovial stick that he's had, uh, he has had some he was racially abused away at Cambridge and that awful abuse he received at MK or by some of the MK fans uh, this season. I mean, the fact that he's called that out, I think, is also adds to his um, standing in the game as well. Yeah, and, and he he's 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 got he's got he's he's a well-known person. He he's known in the media. He gets involved in a lot of things, and so he's using that um, that that you know that stall. To to for good things, let's say, because he he is right to call it out when people were listening, because he's known in, in the industry and known in football and and he's good in the media, so he was right to do that and it's the right thing to do and that's that says a lot about his character as well, I think. And the and the, the way he said, I mean, we all know that people call out you know, racial abuse and homophobic abuse, but that that chant that we've heard this season, unfortunately, I haven't heard it too much mm. recently, so hopefully it is eradicated from the game, but. Yeah, for him to actually stand up and call out that chant, it was because it didn't sort of fit into the racism, homophobic, sexism category, but it was something else that was still completely um, uncalled for, completely inappropriate and needs to be eradicated from the game. So for him to call attention to it, maybe that's had some effect on people not seeing it recently. I've heard yeah. it a little bit, but um, I think generally it's, it's treacling tree out, hopefully. Um, and, you know, he sort of said, you know, I can take it, but some people can't. And that's why he decided. And it was incredibly personal. It. It, was, it wasn't generic, it was personal to him, wasn't it? Which makes it. Yeah, but I mean, I have heard the same chant sung about other people. So it's just the right. names become interchangeable. But, uh, you know, the fact that he's, he's he stood up and, you know, I think we talk about him being a personality on the on the pit or in the changing room. Like he's never, he's never felt like he was too big for the changing room. He never, he's never, he, he doesn't have a, 
I think he does have a bit of an ego about him to a, to a point, but not in the way that he thinks he doesn't think he's better than anyone else or, or think he's better than the other players in the changing room. And uh, as, as an individual, I mean, when he won player, players player of the year, the first time, and then the second time, which was the greatest moment of his life because I got to present the trophy to him. So it was, um, I'm sure that was his absolute highlight, uh, but he invited the entire um, playing squad up onto the stage with him. She said, this isn't about individuals. This is you know, a team award and I wouldn't be here without my teammates. So he's, he's kind of, he's quite level-headed in that regard as well, don't you think? Yeah, I, I complete, completely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the, um, one of the, the insightful things of that is, uh, you know, if you read Neil Harmon's book, um, on the on the year he spent with spent with the squad, um, that point really comes out in that book um, of of you know, and, and and this goes back to the point of you know being a, being one of the generals and being um, you know the personality he is, and and in you, you know you you get the feeling that, that Ainsworth would actually want to sign him on another year's contract after this one and a non playing contract just to have the guy around the club to be honest because I think that's the spirit that. The type of spirit that he brings absolutely epitomizes uh, team morale, um, team ethic, work ethic, um, and, and it, it just really um, hits home the the type of thing that that uh, Gareth Ainsworth and um, Dobbo really try to achieve at the club. Uh, and it, and and at the end of the day, it's an ethic that's brought that's brought the club to nearly unprecedented success so um uh, i think he's been sort of you know the absolute linchpin of, of that mentality um and certainly will be a uh, a role model that that will be try to be recreated um in the future so long as the the current regime is in place yeah i'm, I'm i remember something that neil Harmon said in an interview he said about when he was spending time this was while he was writing the book he said it, it was you found it quite odd that there was a number of players at Wickham that were very religious. Jason McCarthy, Nick Freeman, um, obviously Akin Fenway, I think Anthony Stewart, Alex Samuel. And he said it was quite strange to see players that were so overtly religious in an environment, you know, sort of an alpha male environment such as a football team. And I think that, to me, sums up kind of the ethos of Ainsworth at the club in that, you know, be who you are. You know, don't, don't try and pretend to be someone you're not. And that's very much the identity that the Wickham team has, you know, our house, our rules, you know, don't, don't sort of shy away, be, be, be who you are. And I think the fact that Akin Fenn was sort of a, a religious uh, individual as well, Matt perhaps helped some of those younger ones that maybe would have been a bit coy about something like that in, in that sort of environment. And if you go back, there's an interesting interview on, um, on the Ring the Blues podcast about, um, about that uh, sort of, ethos within in the changing room as well but um he's not perfect he admits that in his autobiography and, and aside from from blanking george which is obviously pretty unforgivable <laughs> what about is what about the bad side of akin fenwa um i mean he's been sent off three times in a wickham shirt the first time was actually in his first ever appearance when he played in france in a friendly and apparently he stood up to someone that was having a go at dale southwell uh, we can forgive him for that he was sent off at Notts county as well uh, in a game in which he scored and we won. So not too worried about that one. But I think his lowest point came, George, um, against Oxford when we were 1-0 up, 1-0 down, sorry, top of the league. We were 1-0 down just before Christmas. 
and the casket had been failed, but then John Massino, who we know is a bit of a wind-up merchant, got involved and Akinfenwa lashed out at him. Massino went down and he got sent off and arguably cost us the game that day. I mean, he's got that side in. We haven't seen it too much, but you know, he has been um, has been known to have a, have a bit of a bit of a fire in his temper as well. Well, when you when you look back at those red cards, um, oh, that's a good goal from Liverpool. Um, when you look back at those red cards, they are for having a fiery temperament. They, he's not put, he's not going in the two footed challenges and um, being sent off for um, <clears throat> you know uh, bad bad fouls or, or whatever. It's, it's all about the uh, emotion and drive on the pitch. I I don't I don't have a problem with that to be honest because that's a, that's a very small side effect of how, of of the reason why he's uh, been such a successful signing for the for the club um, and if and if and if uh, 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 what was it three red cards he's had for us um, well, two two in four, proper games one was a friendly so okay okay so yeah two two in the it's a small it's a small price to pay isn't it because you know, to be honest, a, a, a guy who's playing his role, who gets tugged around all over the place by defenders, who gets fouled himself by defenders at the rate he does and jumps on and, and gets decisions that don't go his way. Um, to, to be honest, I'm surprised he hasn't he hasn't got a few more. The interesting part is he doesn't actually have too many yellow cards to his name. I'm just kind of looking looking down now. He got um, he didn't get one last season, although minutes played wasn't a huge amount. He's got one this season, um, and he had one the season before that, 2018-2019, four before that, and three before that. So, to be honest, a, a guy who's who's played that amount of games, who's, who's featured in most of the games that year, yeah. in those years, only getting three or four, you know, he's not, gonna, he's not getting suspended um, because of his yellow cards. So and given not, given I, I given think... the way he does get sort of treated by some defenders, you, it's almost surprising he doesn't lash out a bit more. I mean, there's there's a footage of him against uh, Sheffield Wednesday in our last regular home league game of the season. Of his, of his, his, the defenders literally yanking his shirt and pulling him apart, pulling him apart. You know, really tugging at him. Every, you know, he's pulling him left, right, and centre. His shirt is coming up over his head, and then the referee blows and gives a free kick the other way, and it's just staggering. I'm like. It's quite amazing that he does manage to, I guess, keep his temper in that regard. But Simon, he has missed a couple of games, not through suspension, but due to going to the Super Bowl. That kind of caused, got a bit of criticism. And what were your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that didn't sit particularly well with me. I don't think it sat particularly well with many people. I mean, you know, he's a professional footballer. You, I don't think there's any argument to say he's earned the right to be able to do that mid-season. It was an important part of the season. We definitely felt that we missed him, so I didn't. I didn't like that very much. Um, but that's one of the. I mean, you know, there's not many negatives, and that would be one. That would be one. I would. I think you know that. Unless you boys can argue otherwise, I don't think. Well, that, I don't think I, many I people think, would be too happy with that. To be honest, I think the first. The first thing to say is I think the way that the club handled it initially wasn't great, because they said he was injured, and then yeah. you know, it sort of came out. It was not. They didn't boldly say he was injured, but it came out that he was injured. And then footage emerged of him kicking a field goal over at the Super Bowl. And it was like, well, so he's not injured. And people got a bit cross about that. And then it was sort of accepted, but still not widely publicised the next time it happened. But at the same time, I sort of felt that he'd had that agreed in his contract. And players do have things agreed in their contract 
Um, well, it does making... lead me to think one thing, actually, Phil. Sorry to interrupt you. I just Go want on. to really make a point. I do. We were talking about role models, and we talked about Matt Bloomfield in the last podcast. And I think they're very different, actually. Matt, Matt Bloomfield's a more role model as he trained as hard as the first one at the train and last one to leave, that kind of stuff. I do. I think I, I, think, I get the impression that Confirmed in his contract does get special treatment. He knows he said he doesn't train properly. He goes to the gym, he does weights. That's more or less what he says. It might be tongue-in-cheek, that's fine. But I do get the impression he does get special treatment. And that's probably why it left a little bit... It didn't particularly sit very well with me that particular well, occasion. But as I say, I mean... It was agreed, it was agreed in his contract, wasn't it? And some players, like all players, need to be treated slightly differently. And that's, I think, oh, uh, yeah, Mark of Ainsworth's yeah. man management. Some players will need, um, you know, strong discipline and others. And Akin Fenway, at his age, he... You watch that mic'd up program uh, on BT Sport um, a couple of years ago. Akin, Angel said Akin Femmer sort of does his own thing. Um, you know, he trains sort of before the game, but he, he kind of lets him come and go. Uh, and maybe that freedom has been part of the reason that he's been such a success. I mean, I didn't really mind the Super Bowl too much. Um, it was a pain when we lost to Milton Keynes and he, we could have done with him and that terrible nil-nil with Bradford that he missed when we, we really needed a forward. But, you know, players have things written into their contracts that they can do these things. Marcus Bean didn't train, I think, on a Monday or a Tuesday because he had something going on. And David Wheeler does does extracurricular activities, which is great. But I think because this was the Super Bowl, it was kind of seen as a bit of a jolly. But he wasn't actually working there. So it's not quite like he was. I mean, obviously, it was great fun and what a great thing to, to go and be involved in. So there is there are arguments both ways. But I think, as, as you said, George, it is. Very small price to pay, isn't it? Really, it is. I, I just to jump in. I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. If it's in the contract to begin with, and it's it's explained before at the start, I, I don't have a problem with that. As you say, it's not. It'd be nice to have him in the squad for the game or two that he misses. Um, but what you lose in that, you you gain in publicity for the club, um, and it's difficult to you know a, a player, particularly in League One or below who's coming to the end of his career, who's looking to uh, go into the next phase of his, of his professional career, potentially outside of football, it's difficult to, to deny them the chances to, to try and do that because at the end of the day, these guys still have mortgages to pay and, and things like that. It's, you know, so um, if it's agreed in advance, you know, I think, I think most employers, you know, if, if people are looking to advance themselves, personally and, and it's 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 in it's in everyone's interest um then i don't think many people have problems with that to be honest so yeah it, it never bothered me i mean just um this isn't akin Fenwick's fault but one thing i'm definitely not going to miss when he retires is um that chant from away fan akin Fenwick, your tits are offside oh if i had a quid every time um, I heard that chant, and I think we could probably afford to clone Akin Fenwar and have, have, have a team full of him. But it's it's so painfully unfunny. And the worst thing is that I think every set of fans that sing it think they're being really original and hilarious. Um, yeah, so that is one thing that I'm definitely not going to miss. Aside from the fact, and I don't want to make you chaps feel old, but when he retires, it will be the first time in our Wick and Wondrous supporting history that the entire playing squad will be younger than us. So sorry to drop go. that one on you. Um, <laughs> one quick point for me, Phil. <laughs> one quick point for me, um, and I, I don't want to start a new podcast. It's just a point I've, I've, I've got niggling at me, and I've had this for a long since I've seen Akin Fedwa. You touched on the point earlier, saying, "Oh, someone said he actually 
he hasn't got quality or what I can't remember the actual quote, but someone said it. And actually, in reality, we all know Akintoni's got a fantastic touch. Yeah. He really has. He's displayed that. And I think, actually, one of his bad points is the fact he's so he's so bulky and so big. I think if he wasn't, he could he could have gone into higher divisions. Now, I don't... Mm. You boys might disagree with that. I just think it slows him down. And he, he, he could... His touch is... His touch is very, very underrated. But would he have been able fantastic. to have such a long career? Well, it's 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 a point that we could disagree and and and, and talk about for a long time, probably it's an interesting one, pipes, yeah. I imagine. But I've I've that's always been a niggling thought with me. Is actually one of his weaknesses is the fact that he's really focused on being a bigger and the strongest footballer and all that sort of stuff. And actually, perhaps if he hadn't have done, it could have benefited his him him to play in a, in a higher division. I mean, possibly. one thing I'm just going to touch on, just on a positive though, is um, I think. One an area of his game that's been massively underrated is uh, is defending. I mean, the amount of times he's been back heading clear from corners, uh, and people don't really appreciate that. So he's not someone that just stood in the centre circle. Um, so there, yeah, just just wanted to mention that. But just uh, to bring us to an end, I mean, what would you like to see him see him do next? Very quickly, thirty seconds each. Take me out for a beer. <laughs> Fair enough. Simon, any, any sort of more aspirational uh, things than going for a beer with George? Well, WWE, I think he wants to go into, doesn't he? But I think no, he, he's got he's he's got a career media, hasn't he? I think I think that's where he, I'd love him love him to be at the club still because he's he's such an, an inspiration to the youngsters. But actually, in reality, I think he's got a career media set out for him, and I, I think he fully yeah. deserves that to be honest. Just I just really hope that he sort of stays in contact with with Wickham, um, and um, we sort of do, still do see him about the place now and then. Of course, he'd be massively welcome. Definitely go down as a, as as one of the one of the Wickham greats, an absolute legend, a great player, and a great bloke off the pitch as well. Uh, and hence why we've decided to dedicate this uh, podcast to him. Uh, that brings us to the end. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed. Uh, we will be back uh, with what we hope will be a playoff preview, but it might be an end of season uh, review. Uh, either way, do keep them peeled. We are on Twitter at Wanderer Podcast. But thank you very much. Uh, we do appreciate the the listen. Uh, take care of yourselves and see you soon. I'm wandering with you.